Wonderful. Okay, do turn to that passage, uh, Luke chapter 19, in the first 10 verses. Thank you, Christine, for reading that to us earlier. So, if you were walking down Elizabeth Street one day and you saw a dodgy-looking government official perched in a branch up a tree, (laughs) you'd think that would be the most bizarre thing you'd see all day, wouldn't you? But for the people of Jericho, the best was yet to come. A day in the life of a wayward man named Zacchaeus. If it happened here in Hobart, would have made the front page of the Mercury. So let's take a look at the account of what happened on the day when Jesus came into this man's life. Three things I want you to see in this story this morning. First, we see a desperate man taking desperate measures. Second, we see him summoned by a seeking saviour. And third, we see him so different since it happened. So first of all, a desperate man taking desperate measures. Look at verses 1 to 4. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Uh, This guy Zacchaeus was a go-getter. He was ambitious and determined to get what he wanted. So much so that he would even rob his own people to get rich. He was a taker in life. And it worked. He, He had all the things that money could buy. And yet, it would appear to us that his money hadn't met his every desire. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Take note of that. This guy, who had money and power, wanted to see who Jesus was. Was he curious? Maybe. Perhaps he was wondering what all the fuss was about. We're told that Jesus had become well-known across the entire region. But Zacchaeus turned from looking like a curious person to looking like a desperate person when he ran ahead and climbed up a tree with a crowd who who hated him and probably wouldn't let him through. He took an undignified but effective leap into a sycamore tree. So we're faced with a a pretty obvious question at this point, aren't we? Why did he feel such desperation to see uh, who Jesus was? What did he want from Jesus? See, uh, Jesus had a reputation for helping poor, uh, sick and needy people. He was a rich and powerful man. I mean, he had everything you could want. But was he still missing something? Uh, Had they not done it for him? Often when travellers were making their way through the Egyptian desert, they said they would often see ahead of them what they were sure 
was the River Nile. They had become so thirsty that their mind began to play tricks on them. He looked to them for all money, as though their thirst would soon be satisfied. But again and again, uh, when they found themselves uh, a mile further ahead, uh, there was no water. It was a mirage. Uh, and what they saw from a distance just wasn't what it seemed when they got there. And once again, they found themselves uh, disappointed, uh, desperate, and more thirsty than ever. See, that's how we find Zacchaeus here. You would have thought he'd be salted, wouldn't you? With money and power. And when you look at what he did to get it, you'd have to conclude, surely that's what he thought. What about you? It's very easy to look at Zacchaeus' situation here as if it's a bit alien to us, but it's not at all. See, all of us look to the things of this world to fix us and to fix the problems of our lives. And all of us, our behaviour shows that we really believe if we can just get this, if we can just get that, then we'll be okay. That's the dominant voice of this consumer's world. Get this amount of money in the bank and you'll be secure. Buy this car and you'll be satisfied. Yeah, just get that promotion and then you'll have it made, won't you? But it's not enough. It, it doesn't do what it promises to. And so uh, the search to be fixed gets more desperate. And this doesn't only happen in the material world, no. It shows up in our inner world. <laughs> Look inside yourself and ask, what am I looking to? To be fixed. Uh, I don't know you. Uh, maybe you want to understand everything. You're one of these people, if you, if you can just wrap everything into a nice, neat, intellectual parcel, then you feel very comfortable. Or maybe it's all those things in your life that you just can't control. If you could just get a grip on them, uh, then all will be well. Or maybe it's others' approval you need. If you could just get so-and-so to like you, then you'll be okay. It will all be great. Will it? Do you believe that? Uh, the actor Gene Hackman said, 20 years ago, all I wanted was to be rich and a star. I was prepared to sacrifice everything for that. And now I've made it, and, and what do I find? I've got all I ever wanted, and I've lost all I ever valued. Can you feel the desperation in that? Uh, I'm broke, and nothing can fix me. See, nothing can help. I've tried everything. That's how we find Zacchaeus here. I want you to notice the order of uh, how the passage is given to us. Uh, we hear of his money and his status, and then we see this desperate search. Take note of that. Do we know why? Yes. See, money and status were never going to fix Zacchaeus' problem. His real problem is told to us twice 
in this passage. If you look there at verse 7, you'll read, He was a sinner. If you look at verse 10, you'll read, He was lost. Sin was the root of his problem, not poverty. Not lack of status. He was a sinner. And the Bible says, sin is the root of all the problems of this lost and broken world. It separated us from God. We are no longer blessed by God, and therefore all our lives are broken and one long, desperate search to be fixed. You hear it around sometimes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it is broke, and we can't fix it. See, that's what's wrong with this desperate world. That's what's wrong with these desperate people. Look around you. That's what was wrong with Zacchaeus. See, money can make you smile for a while, but it can't save you from the consequences of sin. So that's Zacchaeus and his uh, desperate situation. But that's not the end of the story, uh, because in the very next verses, uh, and under our second heading, uh, we see him summoned by a seeking saviour. Read verses 5 and 6 with me. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Did you see it? He called him by name, didn't he? Jesus came right to the place where Zacchaeus was perched up in a tree and he called him by his name. This nasty little criminal from Jericho, Jesus knew who he was. How? Uh, some say uh, Levi passed his name on to Jesus. Do you remember Levi? Uh, Levi was that other tax collector in Luke chapter 4 who became a follower of Jesus. Campbell preached on Levi recently. Some of you may have been here. Well, uh, some say uh, Levi and Zacchaeus must have been friends. But even then, uh, how did Jesus know where Zacchaeus would be at that exact moment? Well, surely... Big questions would have begun to arise in the mind of Zacchaeus about who Jesus was here, wouldn't they? And note what was said. I must stay at your house today. It's not I could. It's not I might, but I'm not sure when. It's I must today. This is a divine appointment laid out in heaven's diary. And have a think about Zacchaeus' response. Uh, with a reputation like he had, uh, what would you do? You'd stay up in that tree for all your life, wouldn't you? If you had been going around town uh, rubbing people up the wrong way, you'd get a bit concerned when you heard someone call you out like that. That's time for the old fight, flight or freeze response according to modern thought anyway. But Zacchaeus doesn't do any of those things. It says he just came down and welcomed him gladly. 
Doesn't it make you wonder? Was it the look on Jesus' face? Was it his eyes? Or did Zacchaeus recognise the voice of Jesus as one knows the voice of their maker? A few times in my life, I've been unfortunate enough to witness a child in a grocery store who has lost their mother. If any of you have seen that, shivers would have just gone down your spine because you know what a horrendous scene that is. Seeing the child begin to panic when they realise. And one by one, concerned shoppers come and desperately try to comfort the child, but to no avail. Until suddenly you hear, sweetheart, there you are. And just like that, the child stops. See, what the voices of so many could not do, the mother's voice could do. Because she was mum. And the child knew that. That's what happened to Zacchaeus. And that's how some of you became Christians. What the people and the things in the world just could not do, Jesus did when he came and called you by your name. Drug addicts who wouldn't respond to treatment. Trauma victims who won't respond to therapy. Rebels who won't respond to any other authority respond to Jesus. Why? Because of who he is. His very presence is a joyful song to lost and aching hearts. He calls and sinners come. They recognise Jesus. The Spirit of God makes it known to them. It cries out. Here's the one who can fix you. See, here's the answer to those problems in your life. Nothing else could do it. They've left you where you are. Well, Jesus can. He doesn't do what all the rest do. Never a man spake as he spake. Never a man did the things he did. He doesn't leave you where you are. He will fix the problem behind all your other problems and he will really change your life. You say, well, how do you know? Because that's what he did for Zacchaeus. He was a desperate man who money couldn't fix. He was summoned by the seeking saviour. But lastly, he was so different since it happened. Look at verses 7 to 10. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. I don't know about you, whenever I read those verses, I always want to know what happened in that house. Because we're not told. It's clear to us that, that something drastic has happened. 
I'm always left asking the question, <laughs> what did Jesus do? But we need to stop there and think. Uh, see, because was, would that really have been uh, the first question on the minds of those who first saw this happen? Think about it. Uh, in that time and in that place, with all the mainstream expectations of what would happen when Messiah came, surely they would have been astonished at what Jesus didn't do to this sinner. He didn't condemn. He had every right and every reason to condemn him. See, Jesus was the Messiah, sent from God. He could have gone storming into that house and torn Zacchaeus to pieces. He could have told him off everything he's done wrong and enforced the appropriate punishment. That's what the people wanted. That's what Zacchaeus deserved. And oh, how these people would have loved to see Zacchaeus get what he deserved. Look at verse 7 again. It says, All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You see, they all knew this guy was a nasty piece of work. Uh, Zacchaeus would have stolen from most of them personally. That's what tax collectors did. They uh, stole from the locals while they worked for the common enemy of Rome. The Jericho locals hated the Roman government over Palestine. Zacchaeus was working for them and stealing from his own people. Chief tax collector. He may as well have been called chief traitor and thief. What does Jesus want with someone like that, they say? So would you, wouldn't you? Now, just put yourself in the shoes of these people. This is outrageous. How can Jesus be the Messiah, God's anointed King and Saviour, and show such an outrageous tolerance of evil? It seems so unjust. It doesn't seem right. God is holy, isn't he? Uh, God is just. Uh, well, the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. Uh, so why hasn't Zacchaeus been cursed and punished and put to death? Why hasn't divine judgment come with Jesus if he was from God? That's why they were muttering. Yeah, but they didn't realise that the uh, divine curse due to Zacchaeus, uh, the divine punishment due to Zacchaeus, and the divine death penalty that was due to Zacchaeus was coming. <laughs> but not to Zacchaeus. It was coming on Jesus. See, there's a verse 
at the beginning of this passage uh, that we often skip over. Look at it again, verse 1. We read, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Do you think that's there for a reason? Uh, do you think we are, are supposed to know that all of this happened while Jesus was simply passing through? Where was he going? He was going to the cross. Just a few verses back in chapter 18, he says he's going to Jerusalem to die. And there, on Calvary's hill, the sin that separates sinners like us from the holy God we've sinned against would be dealt with once and for all. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That's where he was going. To pay the price Zacchaeus should have paid. To bear the curse Zacchaeus should have borne. To die the death Zacchaeus should have died and to give him a free pardon. Oh, he hasn't come to condemn he has come to reconcile God and man again in himself. Let me ask you, do you really know that? Do you really know that that's the message? That God comes into your world to deliver to you this morning? It's mercy he offers you. Or were you like the people in verse 7? Did you think God had come to condemn you for everything you've done wrong? Yes, payment does need to be made for all the wrong that you and I have done, but can you not see he's paid it all? Can you not see that at the cross, justice and mercy meet? Did you think salvation was for good people? Oh, how common an error see, uh, to miss the whole point of why he came. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Have you heard this glorious gospel? The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. And what's the result of all this? Uh, what happens when God's mercy melts a sinner's stony heart? We'll look at verse 8. We read, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Do you see how he's gone from a desperate, a selfish taker to a joyful giver? It hardly seems possible, does it, sometimes, let's be honest, to think that someone could have such a drastic change of heart that they really could be made new from the inside out. 
but grace, abounding from on high, takes hold of people like Zacchaeus and does the impossible. Look at him. Look at what Jesus does. He fixes the heart, doesn't he? Whoever comes to me will and never be thirsty. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. See, that's what Zacchaeus found in Jesus. Uh, and he's going above and beyond here. Uh, he's paying back more than what the law required. Uh, the Old Testament law only required that the amount stolen be repaid plus one-fifth. So one, one, and one-fifth. He's paying back four times the amount. Do you see? Do you see what happens uh, when you come to Christ? Do you see what happens when Jesus comes into your life? You get him. You get Jesus. And what money couldn't give you, what status couldn't give you, what parents couldn't give you, what church couldn't give you, what keeping the rules and being good couldn't give you, Jesus can and does give you. He gives you himself. He gives you life itself. When you respond to his call, when you come to him and welcome him gladly as Zacchaeus did, he comes into your home and into your heart and oh, when he does, you know how rich you are. Uh, I've always liked those house renovation shows on TV. Uh, when I lived back in England, I had a personal favourite called Homes Under the Hammer. I don't know if anyone's seen Homes Under the Hammer, but it's the best of the bunch. Uh, and at the end of those shows, uh, where people would buy old houses and do them up, they would always show the before and after photos. And I would always be astonished when they did. See, I, I wouldn't have a clue where to begin with a project like that. But in the hands of the right people, uh, astonishing things happen to those houses, don't they? And in the hands of Jesus, astonishing things happen with people like Zacchaeus. He transforms them. Far beyond what we could ever imagine was possible. Has that happened to you? Friends, have you been changed by Christ? Do you know what it is to have the abundant life of Christ filling your joy to overflowing? so that you don't need to look for it in the, the things of this world or the people around you? Cornerstone, have you found your all in him? Oh, can you say in your heart this morning, Thou, O Christ, art all I want. More than all in thee I find, Jesus, lover of my soul. Can you say that? Have you... Uh, taken your every other dependency and fled from them all to Christ. Uh, let me tell you, if you had, the search would be over. If you had, you would be content. 
Because if you had, you would have all that he is. Inexpressible joy. Peace uh, that surpasses understanding. Uh, hope that cannot be disappointed. You'd have it all. And you'd want to give your all for his glory. Uh, there was a Presbyterian minister by the name of William Nicholson. And in the 1920s in Belfast, hundreds of workers at a local shipyard were converted to Christ under his preaching. Previously, as was the custom, they had all been stealing from their workplace. But in the days and weeks that followed, so much stuff was returned that they had to build huge hangars just to contain it all. <laughs> you see? That's what salvation looks like. There's, there's always this element present. You know you've got everything in Jesus. And to go on taking is utterly detestable to you. You want to give back. Jesus Christ takes in takers and he gives back givers. And when he sees this joyful response from Zacchaeus, he recognizes it as salvation. Look at verse 9 again and read, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Now listen to why it's come. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. This man too is a son of Abraham. What does that mean? Uh, some of you know David Jones. Uh, well, listen to what David uh, says about this. He says, eating with Jesus defines who a son of Abraham is. If you want to be numbered amongst the people of God, it's not race, it's grace. It's not genetics or moral behavior, it's faith. It's being connected to Jesus by faith. This nasty little man is now a son of Abraham in the truest sense of that term. He shares Abraham's faith in Jesus. Do you? Can what happened to Zacchaeus happen to you? Yes. Yes, it can. Read verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. See, friends, this wasn't just for Zacchaeus. It's offered to us. It extends to us. This is what God is doing. And his seeking and saving work is still going on. So let me close by telling you a story of how God is still seeking and saving sinners in this present day. Uh, this story of a man's conversion took place a little closer to home for us in Australia. It happened up in Geelong, in Victoria, and not many years ago, and it's told by a minister. So listen to this. He says, I was preaching in Geelong a few years ago when at the close of an evening service, an elderly man came to the platform to bid me good night. As he was a stranger, I asked him where he came from and how long he had known the Lord. He then told me the story of his conversion and the strange way by which he was led to the Saviour. About five years before, while keeping sheep, he noticed a piece of a weekly newspaper which had blown by the wind over the fields to the place where he stood. 
He picked it up and glanced at a few sentences, and these drew him on to read more. Very soon, he realized that he was eagerly looking through a sermon by one Mr. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. If I had known it was a sermon, he said, uh, before I had begun to read it, I would have just tossed it away. But now that he had started reading, he wanted to see how it finished. It got him thinking. He carefully preserved it, reading it over and over again in deep concern, until finally it became the means of leading him to the cross. For many years he had not entered a place of worship, and he was utterly careless about his soul until this random piece of newspaper landed at his feet. Oh, this really is good news. See, even though God is who he is, he somehow cares about this lost and broken humanity, this rebellious world, to seek them out and to save them in such a personal way. Now, I hope you realise that he's speaking to you through this message. Have you come to the realisation that the things of this world just can't fix you? Are you convinced that it's because your sin has separated you from God? Then come to Christ. You don't need to go on one more day the way you are, in this desperate search, unhappy, alienated from God. Jesus will reconcile you to God if you acknowledge your complete need of him and are willing to live for him alone from now on. You may have no power to do it. But come to Christ. And what he did for Zacchaeus, he will do for you. He'll give you the power. And he will give you a new life. And don't delay, Augustine said, God has promised forgiveness to your repentance, but he hasn't promised tomorrow to your procrastination. Come to Christ today and hear these words from the Lord Jesus Christ. Come here immediately, for I must stay at your house today. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that into a rebellious world, into a world full of sinners, into a world that was lost, you sent your Son to seek and to save. My Lord and my God, upon those who are present here, have mercy, I pray. May you open all of their hearts that they might look upon Jesus and confess, as Peter did, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Bring them in and save, I pray, pleading nothing but the merit and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks, musicians. <laughs>